Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. This is Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong. Very exciting movie to talk about this week. But first, uh, Jacqueline, you and I were having a conversation with our guest and producer Lucy about the random monies that we have lying around our house or for you and me in our travel bags. And so you were saying you have some Canadian money. And some euros and some pounds and some Taiwanese and Thailand money. Yeah, it's a lot. A spy. You, do you have like different passports and stuff too? Is, is there like some sort of Shh, lock and key? In y- the FBI is listening. <laughs> as as are all of our certified freshies, everyone. I just have I have nothing but casino chips. I have like uh, like two hundred dollars in MGM casino chips because it's always the morning you wake up and you're like, oh god, I gotta go to the airport and you're hungover and you don't have time to cash it in, and so you're like, I'll be back. So tip people. I tip people on the oh, way to the well, airport. Much nicer than I am, (laughs) but probably not our guest. I'll tell you what's nice. You know what was nice, kids? The 1990s. Woo! What a time to be alive, and what a time to release a movie starring the world's greatest basketball player. Still to this day, in my humble opinion, we're talking about Space Jam. Air Jordan meets Hair Jordan. It came out in 1996. That's the same year I got my driver's permit. And kids, it's 43% rotten. On the tomato meter. It's a rotten movie, according to the tomato meter. It is 63% fresh, according to the audience score. So there's a little bit of redemption. You know, Jacqueline, when you talk about guests who probably grew up in a time and were just starting to really form opinions about the world around them, I think this is the perfect movie for this next guest because we have with us a Rotten Tomatoes correspondent, someone who is just crushing it coast to coast doing red carpets for E! News, and she is the co-host of the podcast, I Don't Get It. It's our good friend, Naz Perez. Naz, welcome back to the show. Hi, guys. Wow, Mark, I thought you were going to introduce me like the Toon Squad gets introduced, you know? <laughs> Coming in at five foot two. <laughs> I'm so excited to talk to you guys about this movie because the fact that it is rotten is like an absolute travesty in my mind. I was going to ask you, so so you think Rotten Tomatoes is wrong. That is your opening statement. Rotten Tomatoes is so wrong that it makes Michael Jordan in a baseball uniform look right. Like this is one of the greatest sports movies of all time. It should absolutely not be rotten. It's a 90s masterpiece. Greatest sports movies of all time. Naz coming in with fire opinions. That's why we love her. And Jacqueline, (laughs) we're going to talk about the movie scenes in Space Jam, whether they hold up, whether the soundtrack holds up. I think we all know the answer to that question. And just sort of the things that were going on in 1996, because it's such a fun time for at least the three of us to remember fondly. Cineburst and Crystal. Well, Crystal Pepsi is probably already on the way out. But why don't you just go (laughs) ahead and tell us what Space Jam is actually about? Okay, kids, let's take us back to a time when Michael Jordan was not actually playing for the Bulls. This was in his retirement phase. And during that time, there's some wacky madcap aliens who travel down to Earth because they work in a planet theme park, which is run by Danny DeVito's physical tune embodiment and the worst parts of his voice before uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Anyway, they come down, but they're little tiny alien dudes and the tunes are laughing them. They're like, you're going to come work for us. And they're like, no. And he's like, please. And he's like, no. It's like, okay, basketball. That's how we're going to decide whether or not you guys are going to exist in tune slavery. So Bugs Bunny and his cast of characters 
challenge them to basketball, unknowing that these little aliens have some technology to where they rob the world's famous actors. Charles Barkley, we're talking about Muggsy Bogues, takes their talent, puts it into the Tiny Toons, and they become the Mon stars. So Bug says, we got to get somebody good. They get Michael Jordan. They spend most of the movie getting Michael Jordan ready. Then they have the big game. Bill Murray shows up for reasons and uh, they win and save the world and save the tunes. And Michael doesn't have to be uh, sort of a basketball slave as well. And more importantly, it sort of like gives us an excuse to then show Michael Jordan back with the Bulls. That is Space Jam. And there's a song which wasn't problematic at the time. I'll just leave it there. <laughs> thank you for just, just putting that punch bowl front and center, so to speak. So, yes, and thank you for referencing early in the show, but not the last time we're going to hear the name Muggsy Bogues, Wake Forest, Demon, Deacon, oh, Legend. Lord. Our own legend is sitting right here. I can look at her. I don't know if you kids can see her, if you're streaming us, if you're listening to us, you know both her singing voice and her speaking voice. That is Producey Lucy. I'm sure Space Jam hit you at a very important time in your career. Yes, I was six years old Shut and I up. loved it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Nat and I were both six years old. Shut um, up. I loved it. This movie means a lot to me. Yeah, maybe it's one fancy, expensive commercial for a lot of product placement, but I still to this day, it's an easy rewatch for me. I love how fast it is. And I'm actually a little nervous about the new movie coming out. I don't, I'm like, oh, I don't think it looks as good, weirdly. Sorry. Okay. I think a lot of people feel that way, Lucy. That yeah. 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 yeah I, 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 I definitely want to talk about the new legacy that's coming out in a mere matter of weeks or even days, probably, based on when we release this. Every movie is just product placement, Lucy. Every movie, Citizen Kane is just a commercial for sleds. There, I said my piece. <laughs> Naz, let's go back to you to kick us off here because tell okay. us, we, we clearly know you think Rotten Tomatoes was wrong about this, that this should right. be a super fresh movie, one of the best sports films of all time, mm -hmm. particularly with this movie in general. Why is it so great and why is Rotten Tomatoes so wrong? Rotten Tomatoes is so wrong because first and foremost, the plot that Jacqueline so perfectly said is just so iconic and original AF. Like it's it's one of these high ideas that become fully realized. Like I just picture two people on their couch smoking a joint and being like, what if there was this alien, a voice <laughs> by Danny DeVito? He lives on this planet called Moron Mountain and they want to steal the Looney Tunes to be a main attraction there. But then Michael Jordan's going to save the world with his talents because he's the greatest basketball player of all time because the aliens stole the talent from the other amazing basketball players at the time, including including Patrick Ewing, who we haven't mentioned yet, which I feel like we just have to mention. Um, to me, it's just like Michael saves the world through basketball, duh. One of the greatest athletes of all time. This was his only major film role, and he's actually pretty good in it. We all know the soundtrack is fire. It's gone platinum like six times. One of the most shocking moments in sports was when he announced his retirement from the NBA and he goes off to play baseball. And this movie plays off of that already, like not taking itself too seriously. And I feel like people think Space Jam takes itself too seriously. Bill Murray comes in, like Jacqueline said, for reasons <laughs> unbeknownst to us to save the day. And it's incredible. Like, it's amazing. I think it's perfectly written for kids and adults. It still holds up today. Technically, it was built on the, you know, advancements of Who Framed Roger Rabbit. But for a lot of younger 
people that were like born in the 90s. I was six when this came out, too. Um, I got this. I'll, I'll explain later, like well, the first time I saw it. But basically, it's just I think it knows exactly what it is and it delivers that flawlessly. And it was my first introduction into seeing real humans interact with cartoons. It was also very progressive in some ways. I remember being obsessed with Lola Bunny. I was like, wow, the best cartoon player on the Toon Squad is a woman. Um, the scene where like the girls are making fun of Charles Barkley because he can't play basketball was just so incredible to me. But the most important reason Space Jam should not be rotten and is just so iconic is because it just became an inspiration for kids to explore their full potential. I think in the 90s, we all wanted to be like Mike and it get, it gets pretty deep at times. And I think I'll, I'll tell you guys more about that when we talk about our favorite scenes, but it gets pretty deep. And for all those reasons, I'm obsessed with Space Jam and I don't think Space Jam should be rotten. I think you're the perfect guest to have on this show because, <laughs> it, Jacqueline, we're, we're dealing with a couple youngins here. I mean, they, they were six years old when the movie came out. We, and I'll say me, have just a couple more years of mileage on us. So do you think Rotten Tomatoes is right or wrong about Space Jam? I think Rotten Tomatoes is wrong-ish. I want to have a podcast where I just get to say wrong-ish, right-ish, because I'm never, I'm never like forceful. For someone that used to have, was paid for strong opinions, now I'm like, ah, I've mellowed in my age. Uh, I talked to two people born in 1990, Jesus. Uh, Can you believe it? <laughs> uh, no, I think it's wrong-ish. Look, it it definitely is a product placement scam. It definitely um, is not winning Michael Jordan any acting uh, awards, but it's a movie for kids. And it's a movie for kids that despite all of the things going around it and the fact that Michael Jordan was likely talking to tennis balls for the majority of the film, you still can find some humor, some pathos, and it does enough, I think, to make it worth something. Although I will say there's like a Toonie, the, uh, a Looney Tunes movie uh, that's their version of Fantasy Island where all the tunes get to like pick what their fantasy thing would be. That's the best Looney Tunes movie. Don't get it twisted. Sorry, Space Jam. But this one definitely, it should be higher. Fresh-ish. I think the audience score has it about right, um, but I would give it anywhere in those high 50s, low 60s marks. Um, I can't live in a world where this is better than Constantine, though. So... <laughs> Take what that a, for what you what an odd comparison. I mean, I guess it is sort of the end of the world with both of those movies in some regard. And so yeah. I'll give you that. Look, we all know the best Looney Tunes anything of all time is not from Bugs Bunny or Daffy Duck or Marvin the Martian. It's actually from that singing frog, that hello, my baby, hello, my honey. That is mm. the best Looney Tunes anything ever. Space Jam, I'm going to say Rotten Tomatoes is wrong because I think it should be higher than 43%. And I do have strong feelings about this, but where I actually land is somewhere right in between rotten and fresh. And so I will use ja if Jacqueline said that Rotten Tomatoes is wrong ish, I think that this movie should be fresh ish. It doesn't have to be fresh to make me happy, but it needs to be closer to fresh adjacent than it currently is. And when we talk about this movie, principally being a product placement film, I have another theory on why this movie came out and why this movie began as anything and it has to do with Michael Jordan's psyche. We're going to get into that much later in the show. Right now, what we love having here is someone who sets the table as far as what the critics were saying at the time this movie came out way back in 1996. And for that, we go to our expert review curation manager, Tim Ryan, for our segment Two Minutes with Tim. 
The floor is yours. Jam was released a couple years after the Hair Jordan Super Bowl ad, and Michael Jordan was the most valuable pitchman in the world. So a lot of the criticisms of it at the time was it was more of a branding exercise than something that came about organically. Of course, that didn't really matter to the kids who saw it at the time and doesn't necessarily matter to those kids at this late date. The other thing that's odd about Space Jam was it focused heavily on Michael Jordan's minor league baseball career, thereby immortalizing what's now kind of considered a footnote in the story of his airness. It's at 43% on the tomato meter with 76 reviews, and it has a 63% audience score. So what did the critics have to say? In a rotten review, Richard Corliss of Time Magazine wrote, the movie could have been a gleaming showcase for cartoon wit. Instead, it's an 87-minute commercial peddling sainthood for Michael Jordan. However, in a fresh review, Roger Ebert of the Chicago Sun-Times wrote, it's an inspired way to use and kid Jordan's image while at the same time updating Bugs Bunny and company to doing battle in the multi-zillion dollar animation sweepstakes. The Rotten Tomatoes critics' consensus reads, while it's no slam dunk, Space Jam's silly, Looney Tunes-laden slapstick and vivid animation will leave younger viewers satisfied, though accompanying adults may be more annoyed than entertained. So that's Space Jam, and once you're done with this podcast, be sure to swing on over to Space Jam's original website from 1996. It's still online! It's still there? Wow. Okay, we all gotta go to spacejam.com to go check out the latest and greatest in the world of the information superhighway. I'll see if I have 10 free more hours with AOL on that floppy disk that they sent to my house. So let's get right into movie talk. Let's talk about this movie, the nostalgia, the soundtrack. Let's get into all of it. So we should probably have some music. By the way, don't think I didn't notice that extended cut of Producer Lucy belting out <laughs> two minutes with Tim. I, I felt like that was that was I, I like the extended. I don't like the radio edits, Lucy. I it, want the full. That was wasn't that. That was it going for it, Lucy. Let's oh, talk yeah, yeah. About it. it wasn't going to be two men's without it. So I had to kind of fill that time. <laughs> I literally wanted to ask you guys because I haven't heard that if that was Lucy's voice. Lucy, that's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. It's so cheesy. Why are you kidding? That's like you know, it's hard that's... having to sit here and watch everybody's face. <laughs> no, I'm obsessed. It's like giving me <laughs> Richard Simmons vibes, who, by the way, also makes a cameo on Space Jam. Therefore, hey. again, making it a 90s masterpiece. But I digress. It is a 90s masterpiece in certain regards. And I think a lot of that is just the nostalgia is is how we came upon this movie, because I know that Michael Jordan still has sort of a looming presence over the world of basketball and the world of marketing. And he came back into the forefront when we needed him the most during the pandemic with The Last Dance. And so he's omnipresent now, but he was in your face everywhere. You could not escape Michael Jordan in the 1990s, not just because of his incredible basketball prowess in the 90s Chicago Bulls, but through Gatorade, Nike, Air Jordan, all of that stuff, he was just everywhere. And so when this movie was announced and when it was released, for me anyway, I don't even remember blinking an eye being like, oh, that's weird, he's in a movie. It's like, no, this makes perfect sense because this guy's everywhere else. So why wouldn't he be hanging out with the Looney Tunes? We already loved the commercials. Looney Tunes on their own had made a 90s resurgence in thanks part to going back to NASA's point, who framed Roger Rabbit. And so 
The first time I came about this movie, I don't know that I saw it in theaters. I think I might have waited to rent it. Jacqueline, Naz, and Naz, let's start with you because you're only six years old. Did you see this movie in theaters? No, my parents were so generic. I never even had real Fruit Loops until like a couple years ago. Everything in my <laughs> life was generic. I saw every movie like two years after it came out at the Dollar Theater in Florida. Yep. <laughs> like with yep. All old people in it. But I will say when I was thinking about, because we had this question before we started recording, and it actually made me really sad when I was thinking about the first time I saw Space Jam. So I was seven years old because it came out on VHS in March. My birthday's in March. And so for my seventh birthday in 1997, I actually was gifted the VHS for my birthday. And I and I just want to talk about that feeling of like getting that plushy plastic VHS like in like a birthday bag. It makes me sad that you can't tangibly really give someone a movie today. Um, but anyway, so it was gifted to me for my birthday. So I watched it a bunch, obviously, like rewinded a bunch. And that was the first time I saw it was when I was seven. Uh, Jacqueline, did you see Space Jam in the theater? Uh, I did not see Space Jam in the theater. If I recall correctly, this was just in that. Yeah, if I recall correctly, this was in that phase where just a little bit too old to be like, I'm going to go run to see Space Jam. That being said, I did have the Space Jam soundtrack. Mm, yeah. Yeah. On on CD. And I remember getting that very early because it had the Quad City DJs and Seal on it, which yeah. I was like all about. And I think I ended up seeing it television, like either HBO. I was an only child, so I was like the only kid in my neighborhood that had cable because that was my <laughs> mother's that was my mother's uh, placation for a lack of siblings. It came out uh, right before Thanksgiving in November of 1996, which is very interesting timing. I also own the soundtrack. You know who else owned the soundtrack? My high school basketball team. That was pretty much our warm up tape with certain songs through my entire basketball career. When, because I was probably, let's see, I, I was 16 by the time the movie had come out. And so it just, it was right in my high school basketball playing Heyday. And so you just, you were so aware of it, even if it wasn't the movie that you were rushing out to see. It was just a cool thing to have around, knowing that Michael Jordan was still there and he had come back to basketball the previous season. So when we talk about scenes in particular, it might be odd to hear. My favorite scene in this movie has nothing to do with basketball. It's actually when they're playing golf. It's Wayne Knight, <laughs> Bill Murray, Larry Bird, and Michael Jordan, which if you wanted the most entertaining golf foursome of all time, it's a pretty good place to start. You think I got a shot? Come on, really. No. Don't kid me. Listen, it's a man's game. And you can't play. What if I tried really hard? Can you keep it down, I'm trying to hit this ball? It's because I'm white, isn't it? No. Larry's white, so what? Larry's not white. Larry's clear. Got gotcha. you, Larry. Get inside of his ball. Oh, you clowns can't beat that. It's the best shot I ever hit. You haven't been playing long. It's a Hall of Fame shot. Yeah, yeah. nice shot, Mr. Perry. Larry, please. And that's a scene early in the movie where we have the Looney Tunes trying to recruit Michael Jordan to be Air Jordan again. He's playing golf. He's chilling. Bill Murray's got some great lines in there. And Michael, lo and behold, reaches into the hole. And then he goes down the proverbial rabbit hole, literally, meets Bugs Bunny. And we're off on our adventure. That scene, to me, has the best comedy for the adults that maybe took the kids to go see the movie. And it also, it just, there's nothing I love more than Bill Murray on a golf course. When you throw in the other three fellas, it makes it that much better. Naz, what is the scene to you that you say, that, that right there is why Rotten Tomatoes is so wrong. 
Can I just comment on what you just brought up? Because Please. you have to. Bill Murray's wardrobe is iconic. Like that <laughs> umbrella hat is. Yeah. I need one. Like I must own one. And you're absolutely right. Like the comedy that comes from that, the awkwardness of like Wayne Knight, and like when he has the disposable camera, and Bill Murray's like, "Don't point that lens at me." <laughs> Larry Bird's like, "Where'd he go?" It's so good. <laughs> um, when it comes to like favorite scenes, there's so many, but like I think the one that's most important to me, which I alluded to earlier, which I think was sort of deep for Space Jam, I think now watching it as I'm older, is the secret stuff scene. So when the Toon Squad, it's halftime. And I also just love, you know, when when we watch any basketball game in general um, and a team is down and they come back from halftime and they're just like slaying it. You're like, man, what was said in that locker room that just turned everybody's mindset around? And in this case, in the game in Space Jam, it was the secret stuff scene where Bugs Bunny, you know, he fills up a water bottle of water from the sink and he tells MJ to play along. And they basically convince the team that it's Michael's secret stuff. It's the reason why I bought this water bottle. I'm actually holding one. I own one. And the reason why it was so deep for me is because I think it was for many of us, one of our first interactions with handling like the dreaded imposter syndrome. Like, I feel like we were able to take away from this movie that no matter like how bad you might have felt about your circumstances, that you need to give yourself a fair shot at achieving what you think is possible. And I think that is what Michael Jordan embodies to me. That's why he's like, literally on the background of my phone. Like, I, that's like what he represents. So to me, that's like my favorite scene. Yeah, finished? Uh, great speech and all, Doc. Uh, you had him riveted. But uh, didn't you forget something? What? Your secret stuff. <laughs> wow. Whoa. Nice deltoid. Play along. And then if I had to pick another one, It's the opening scene and montage of little Michael playing basketball, shooting outside his house after midnight. And his dad's like, what are you doing? And he's like, I want to play for North Carolina. And he makes a shot. And he's like, and then I want to make it to the NBA. And then he makes another shot. He's like, and then I want to play baseball just like you. And then we get this montage of like Michael just flying and being incredible. And I think what people fail to realize about Space Jam is that it is like this mini slice of biopic. Like we were so invested in who Michael was in the 90s. He was the superhero. He was the leader of the U.S. Olympic team. He was in Michael Jackson's music video. He was, you know, in the Like Mike commercials. And so because we got a little bit of his actual real story, I think that's what people fail to realize is that's what's so cool. We get a little bit of Michael's story along with a cartoon movie for kids and adults. And I think, Lucy, that's why people are sort of hesitant about New Legacy because it's like, are we going to get to see LeBron and like, you know, I, I would like to see little little LeBron in like Akron, Ohio, you know, be a part of like that storyline. Who knows if we'll get that. But anyways, those are my two favorite scenes. And it, you get those emotional tinges that we referenced too, Jacqueline, because again, Michael Jordan lost his dad a couple of years earlier under tragic circumstances. And so seeing him interact with his old man, even in this cartoon movie, what it's going to become, it, it's still, at least if you know that backstory and you know how much he loved his dad, has some emotional weight right from the get go. Yeah. Also, shout out to Tom Barry, who's the actor that plays Michael Jordan's father. Yeah. He's like a face that folks will recognize from like a lot of like popping up and stuff. He was in part of the Fast series. He also was in like West Wing and stuff. And he's just like a kind of doing his own thing character actor. But he really gives it in that opening scene. And also the young kid that plays 
uh, Michael Jordan at age 10, Brandon Hammond, because he is like, was the kid actor for like black kids for like most of the 90s. He was literally in absolutely everything. And I think for me, the part of the movie that I particularly liked was because they cast Michael, he was actually really big about including those touches. He really wanted it to feel like this wasn't just going to be a cash grab. And that opening scene shows it. And then the scene with his family shows it. You know, having Jim Rome talk trash about him. This was back in the Dirty Boys of ESPN (laughs) days where they very much, um, I think, said things with impunity. Mm -hmm. And it was just interesting being like, look, his kids watch this stuff. So like there's been things said about every major athlete that I think showing that dynamic and where he's like, you don't need to watch this. Watch watch the tunes instead. Also, Teresa Randall. And, you know, they they did. They made Michael Jordan as big of a star as he is still an unapologetic black man, even though he's, you know, fighting against a bunch of Looney Tunes, because I think there's a caricature that you could make about the Monstars that's not really great. But they, again, they were careful, I think, to balance the two. It is still a movie of the 90s, though. So we'll get into that later. Do the basketball scenes hold up, in your opinion? And I'm going to juxtapose that against Michael Jordan's acting because he was, it, it was mostly green screen. I mean, it's not like, unfortunately, for all of our listeners, Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck aren't actually real. Well, the bunny doesn't actually exist. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. This is the first time you're hearing it. So Michael Jordan is basically playing off of a green screen or a bunch of dudes in green suits or tennis balls. And so I think given that hurdle for somebody who's never acted professionally other than in commercials before, I think he did a good job. And especially we know he has basketball skills. And this is also at the time when he is mounting his real life comeback into the world of basketball. And so to see that you're literally watching his body rebuild itself for basketball shape before our eyes in this cinematic universe. So I actually think that the basketball scenes hold up pretty well. Yeah, I think the basketball scenes are the thing about it that still holds. And it's just funny that unfortunately it takes a long time to get there. I clocked it when I was watching it last night. It's almost an hour before we're actually like in the game. And, you know, we got a nice, you know, five minutes that we have to spend just spending time um, telling, uh, just introducing the, 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 Tiny Toons folks, you know what I mean? Like the way they Mm -hmm. used to introduce the bulls with like the music and the stuff. Mm -hmm. Like they got to give them all their due. Um, But once the basketball starts, it's actually really fun, really funny. And also showing like, look, dude, you can literally get dominated on the court even as the best player and just the funny ways they found to be inventive for them to score uh, against the Monsters I also thought was really great. And yeah, no, it felt like you you were watching a cartoon heightened reality version of it but it was still fun and i hadn't remembered it from the last time i watched it and i was like where did when did they get to the fly seat like where where are we gonna go like how many different ways are we gonna go to get there it's funny too because you're right it does take a long time to get there but once he walks out once they get his shoes which i just love the looney tunes interacting with his kids too or just humans in general but um once they get his shoes and he walks out and he's like, let's play some basketball and then fly like an eagle. by sea. And I know we'll talk about the soundtrack later, but it's just so, such a perfect scene where he's just so in his element. And it's just I don't know. He, he's like immortal in, in some way in that moment. I love it. I, I agree. I think Michael Jordan absolutely holds his own. Um, I, I don't think he's like trying too hard. And I think that's really hard to do. I, I know most people when they get in front of a camera or when cameras are pointed at them, they feel like they have to maybe be like an over exaggerated version of themselves or they have to turn themselves on. 
So imagine having to play against Looney Tunes, like Looney Tunes. I would imagine the average person would try and like be even larger. And he's so charming yet unapologetic. He's so himself. Like when he when he um, tells all the basketball players to touch the ball and he's like, I'm seriously going to regret this. You know, it's like that's so Michael Jordan. Like he doesn't want to give them their powers back, but he's doing it because it's him and it's the right thing to do. I, I was actually like astounded by like how how grounded he is as Michael in this film. Like you were saying, I they definitely had um, they definitely brought in some comedic actors, I think, to for for him and Bill Murray to play against. But the basketball scenes are the best. And the fact that he made that half court shot, you know, by stretching his arm out will like forever live in my mind rent free. Hmm. I, I say we get into the soundtrack. I, I say we bust it open. What, what, what are the tunes on here that, that really keep you coming back for more? What are the ones that inspire you? What are the ones that make you contemplate? What are the ones that remind you how much you love Space Jam the first time you saw it? Yeah. So for me, obviously, um, you know, and I think Jacqueline, you were like alluding to this earlier, too. Uh I believe I can fly. And this film has such a symbiotic relationship that when I think back on the film, I'm like, did did the movie get really big because of the song or was the song really big because of the movie? But now everything that we've learned about R. Kelly, it's like it's it's hard to like put in perspective, like this really uplifting and resonant song that meant so much to people in the 90s. I remember this song being played at graduation, like at my church, you know, people would People would play I Believe I Can Fly all the time. And I again, I don't know like which one it's like a chicken or the egg thing. Um, so, yeah, it's hard to grapple with now. Like, obviously, that's like a whole separate conversation. Um, now learning everything that we know about R. Kelly. Um, but that song is and the movie is very much they're very much linked. Um, for me, my favorite is Jock Jams. Um, it just reminds <laughs> me of like. I mean, just the four words, y'all ready for this? And mm -hmm. it's just like, nah, 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 nah. Like, I just think of like every cheerleading competition that I watched in Florida. Like, Jock Jams was just like the jam of the 90s. It was the soundtrack of our childhood, I feel like. Uh, if you're asking me about the soundtrack, I just want to mention to everyone again that Chris Rock is on this soundtrack for reasons because uh, he helped with the, um, with the, uh, Barry White song, Basketball Jones, which is sort of like the Lola Bunny, Bugs Bunny anthem. So the man has many talents. Also, for me, though, it's For You, I Will by Monica. That is actually my mm. favorite one. Um, it was, you know, back in the 90s, R&B phase, like Monica and Brandy did That Boy Is Mine and became the hit. But both of them have their own phil filmography. Oh, and For You, so I Will good. is definitely a top one on that one. And still, shout out to Quad City DJs, man. Yeah. Let's give it up at the Space Jam. Come on. That is a bop. <laughs> that is a yeah. bop. And, uh, and so still good. unproblematic to this day. So it's interesting, too. And the only thing I'll say about the whole R. Kelly thing is that, unfortunately, it was this song and the image that he portrayed in it that allowed some of the other stuff about him to remain under the surface. And right. so I think it's just like it's hard to listen to the song now, even though it right. still has that sweeping moment. The music is still incredible. You realize that unfortunately, that kind of funded in a lot of ways some really horrible atrocities that happened to a lot of women. Um, obviously, that has all been talked about in the press and it's not, you know, breaking any new ground to say that, but 
Yeah, it definitely changes the way that the song ages. Also, Lola. Lola's a little bit different this this time around when I watched it. I don't know. Did you were you feeling Lola back at those times, uh, Mark? I was I was feeling the SEAL song, Fly Like an Eagle, arguably even better than the Steve Miller Fly Like an Eagle. And I loved Hit 'em High. The uh, the Monstars anthem is yeah. also pretty cool. So Oh yeah, that's a good it, one. Yeah, th- this was this was more for me than obviously two unlimited with uh, with, with get ready for this just because that was like our high school gym was we just had like a like a boombox was was our sound system and so you couldn't really crank it too loud but I remember we went on the road somewhere and we played like might have been like Dematha or like one of the like real high school basketball powerhouse factories we did not win the game but coming <laughs> out we had they had like a whole sound system and they played get ready for this and it was just like i I've, I've never been so hyped up for a game just because you just could feel that in your bones it was so cool and yeah. again part of you is thinking about space jam when it happens and so this right. is th- th- that soundtrack took on a life of its own i think it went six times platinum something like that mm-hmm. it peaked at number two on the billboard chart people debate whether it's the best movie soundtrack of all time i think it's it's worth consideration and so it just adds into both the movie itself but i think it also if people are looking for barbs to throw at this movie then they would say it's you're just a movie that is here to sell Michael Jordan to the masses and to sell a bunch of soundtracks, which it ultimately did. And to Jacqueline's point earlier, I mean, I I think that's the biggest issue I have with this movie is that it does take us so long to get to basketball. We're having fun with the Looney Tunes and 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 watching the humans come together. And some of the animation is really well done the way that they combine humans and cartoons. But at the end of the day, it's like, hey, we're here to win a very important basketball game. Can we please get to the hardwood a little <laughs> mm-hmm. bit faster? Is, is is there anybody else in the movie, whether it's cartoon or an actual actor, that stands <clears throat> out to you? I'll start with you, Naz. Who who else in this movie? We mentioned Michael Jordan, Loa Bunny. Everybody loves Bill Murray. Who else in this movie were you like, oh, yeah, that's one of my favorite parts? Well, Daffy Duck is hysterical, and I don't think he gets <laughs> enough I really don't think he gets enough praise. Like, he's actually so funny. I only want to watch Daffy interact with people more. And like, I I think this movie still holds up today because there's a lot of jokes I didn't pick up when I was little watching it. Like, when they're trying to get Michael's shoes from his house and Bugs is like, you know all those lunchboxes with our faces on it? Have you ever seen any money from that stuff? And he's like, man, we got to get new agents. And it's like, that stuff just went way over my head. And it's so good. They even do a, you know, they even take a little stab at Disney and they're like, what kind of Mickey Mouse organization would name their team the Ducks, you know? So just (laughs) shout out to um, Daffy. He's hysterical. Also, my first introduction to Danny DeVito was through Swackhammer before he was Phil and Hercules Mm. the year after. So love that. But for me, it was Charles Barkley. If Michael Jordan is Bugs Bunny, Charles Barkley is Daffy Duck to me. And I like that they played on their relationship because in the 90s, if anyone defined bromance in the NBA, it was like Michael Jordan and Charles Barkley. And I mean, they like played golf together, I think, in the 1993 NBA finals. That's how close their bond was until I think, I don't know, it all sort of Michael Jordan weird. Uh, tends to hold grudges. Yeah, uh, for <laughs> he's, he's like, hashtag, that's all I needed. And then he like <laughs> held a grudge forever. But so I like that they played on that where, you know, Michael Jordan travels to the cartoon world and he becomes this hero and Barkley gets like, the talent sucked out of him and he gets called like a clown and 
he was, you know, trying to convince his therapist that everything that he'd been through wasn't a dream. It was just, I think it was just really cool how they like sort of played on that. So um, shout out to Charles Barkley because he wasn't terrible. He was not terrible. Uh, <laughs> Jacqueline, who really else bad. in this movie really lights you up when you see it? I mean, it's an easy answer. He's in here, as I said, for reasons. But Bill Murray gives a pretty great performance. This was, I think, in Bill Murray's like, you know, was it Operation Dumbo Drop? Was that him? Where was, there was like a weird phase of Bill uh, Murray. Larger Than Life. Yeah, was Larger the, was Than Life. his elephant movie. That's what it is. And so he like had this phase of doing like kid movies where I think he was just like, I'm Bill Murray and I don't care. We didn't get paid that much for Ghostbusters. Let's just have a good time. Right. And even though that's what this is, he's still really funny in it. He's still so great. Like you're the duck. Like I, that was on the commercial and yeah. for obvious reasons. So yeah. yeah, no, I really liked watching um, Bill Murray in this. I'm not a Seinfeld person. I, I just now started watching that show like because I was told I need to. But um, <laughs> so I didn't get the Wayne Knight thing at the time. Um, and I don't now. But he was definitely fun as well. But uh, I guess my favorite person is Teresa Randall. I love her in everything. Oh, um, she's so good. Shout out to Girl Six, which is the Spike Lee movie. You need to watch it. It's amazing. And yeah, I, I will. I will enjoy her in everything, especially bad boys. <laughs> I just I, I love seeing all of these '90s NBA stars again in their prime, particularly people like Sean Bradley, who's seven foot seven. Yeah. You have Larry Johnson, Grandmama, who also had a great commercial campaign with that in the '90s. Obviously, mm -hmm. as a fellow Wake Forest guy, I love seeing Muggsy Bogues in there. Yeah. Interesting that our arch rival, North Carolina, has the alum Michael Jordan, who would put Muggsy Bogues, a Demon Deacon, in his movie. As you look at the list of famous NBA mm -hmm. stars that are in this, not one from Duke. He didn't put anybody from Duke in there. <laughs> he ain't giving Christian Leitner a call. He's not having Danny Ferry I mean, pop into this movie. Who's giving Christian Leitner a call, though? Even at this point, he That's was a already great, a joke. Great oh. question. Can we so, give a shout out? But like, can we just, Mark, give a shout out to all the players you just mentioned? Because I also feel like they hold up their own, too. As someone who had high hopes for the film Uncle Drew, who mm -hmm. I really ended up not loving, unfortunately, um, I was like, wow, Muggsy, like all these guys are they're really in the movie. And I love how they they you know, it's almost like Space Jam goes through a pandemic in a way, you know, where mm. they shut down the NBA. They try and figure it. They're wearing masks instead of changing in the locker room. They're talking <laughs> to their therapist. They're going to the psychic like it's all super funny. And I think actually really well done. Mm -hmm. And they're, they're believable. Like when they're saying things they are believable to me. Yeah. So I, I want to end movie talk in a little bit of a different way here before we move on to some behind the scenes talk real quick. Are you all excited or are you hesitant about Space Jam, the new legacy? Because it's obviously LeBron James taking over for Michael Jordan as the role of the greatest basketball player on planet Earth, who's probably going to have to defend. It looks like he's more the father, though, as Michael Jordan was the son in this movie, because the they're trying to I think they're literally trying to kidnap his son. They're trying to steal his son. They're trying to steal Bronny. And so LeBron James has to stop that with the help once again of the Looney Tunes. From what you've seen so far, is this something that you're excited to see? Or are you like, ah, you know what? Maybe we shouldn't have messed with the original legacy. Start with you, Jacqueline. Um, I'm not worried about this one, but I don't have the emotional investment like friends of ours do. But I also feel 
this movie's just going to do fine. Like, it's going to do fine. The people who are going to sign up because it's LeBron are going to sign up. The kids who are going to want to see it because it's the Looney Tunes and they want to see the Looney Tunes. And everyone in between is going to find space for this movie. It hits too many quadrants, I feel, to just be a complete flop. Will it be enjoyable? Eh, depends on who you're asking. I think the eight-year-olds are going to give it two thumbs up no matter what. It's going to be certified fresh in their book. I'm curious to see if there are any adults who really champion this movie the way Roger Ebert did at the time when this Space Jam came out. So I, I, I think we know why Roger Ebert championed this movie. He's, he's, he's a legendary film critic. He's also a Chicago guy. So I, this is true. I don't this think is he's going to criticize Michael Jordan too much. Naz, are you yourself excited for the new legacy? Are you concerned about it? Do, 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 you, do you put any emotional weight behind the new Space Jam? I'm always excited because I love Space Jam and I think fans of this film have been wanting like a sequel to this for a long time. Um, Whether or not I'm going to be like obsessed with it or emotionally attached to it, it's obviously not going to be nostalgic for me. So it'll never be like above the original in my mind. Um, I agree with all the points Jacqueline made. I think it I think it'll serve what it needs to serve. My only concern is what I mentioned earlier is that A big reason why I loved it is because we just got like a little sliver and investment into Michael's story. And I don't know from what I've seen so far, maybe I'll be maybe I'll be surprised walking out of the theater if we're going to get that like with LeBron. And that's what I love LeBron for all the reasons a lot of people love LeBron, like what he was able to do and and just his story is what I'm invested in. And so um, because we got a little bit of that in Space Jam with Michael Jordan, um, I'm hoping to get a little bit of that in New Legacy with LeBron, but it doesn't seem like we will, from what I've I, seen. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't really, and, and it's it, it's odd to hear me say because I am a huge Looney Tunes fan, and I obviously watch the NBA all the time. I'm a huge live sports fan, particularly the NBA, and I just don't find myself really caring that much about the new movie. I will see it because I love watching NBA star cameos like that, and I and mm-hmm. LeBron. He may not ever pass Michael Jordan as far as GOAT status. I think that's still in doubt, but I think he's proved himself as a pretty capable actor. He was really good in Trainwreck, and (laughs) I I think that there's a big difference between LeBron, where he is in his career, versus where Mike was in his career during the making and release of Space Jam. So I want to talk about that on the other side as we transition into behind the scenes. Yeah, so this is so this is this is what I hinted at up top. I think that the reason why this movie was made, sure, it was it was to make a billion dollars and to merchandise and to capitalize on Michael Jordan's name and to sell soundtracks, but I think it was also in no small part Mike doing what Mike does to himself best, giving him a hurdle to climb over, giving him fuel for the next season because he knew he's coming back to basketball while he's making this movie. They made this movie in the summer before the season began that was his full first season back with the Chicago Bulls. And he knew, given the premise of this movie, that um, this movie is going to come out after this season. I better win the championship because it is not going to look good with this movie being released in November if I am not, once again, a world champion. And he managed to accomplish that. LeBron James, on the other hand, 
Um, he's not a world champion when this movie comes out, and the Lakers had a pretty uninspiring exit from the playoffs. He was banged up. Anthony Davis was banged up and got a lot of criticism for how long he was out. Anthony Davis is also in this movie, so I think the dialogue around this movie is going to be a little bit different, not quite as celebratory, because we're not ringing in a championship. That's just me and my basketball mind thinking about the difference between the new legacy and this movie. Well, Mark, hopefully we get some cameos from other awesome like basketball players in the way we did with the original. I think that could really like leave people feeling really great about it. I hope know, so. Yeah. yeah well, I mean, I know we get Damian Lillard is going to be in it as well. Diana Taurasi's in it. There, so right. there, there, there's a lot of great ballers that are going to be in this movie. I'd love to see a Kobe shout out. I, I think I, that'd be cool. Me too. Me too. I was just thinking that. Um, I actually just want to make this really clear because we're, since we're talking about the new age and you mentioned train wreck and like we're not going to take an opportunity to not bring up my husband because he said and I Mr. quote about LeBron James, Bill Hader said when he was doing press for train wreck and this is why I actually have a little bit of more hope about it. He said this guy literally did things that I went to school at Second City in L.A. to learn how to do like improv not to 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 just do the yes and and just to have that like quick on your feet. He's like, I guess when you have basketballs coming at your head, you're already in sort of a heads up mode already. And he just applied that to his comedy. And he said it was honestly disconcerting how good he was at doing this. So I'm actually going to hold out hope that it won't that if in nothing else, the acting will step up because his performance, I don't think of Judd Apatow as some incredibly gifted actorial director to just pull the greatest performances out of everyone. I think he's just got that natural talent. That's probably why he chose to come to L.A. and started uh, his studio, which already has like 15 projects in the works. It's so funny to go back and and look at where we were in 1996, too. Just with everything going on in, in that world, the most watched show when Space Jam came out was ER starring a young man named George Clooney who went on to some acclaim, I'm told, afterwards. This was the year <laughs> that we cloned a sheep. This was the year that the Spice Girls had a number oh. one album, which was oh, Wannabe. And get this, Motorola had just introduced this crazy new phone called a Star Trek that was Star Trek. There was a flip phone. It was a flip phone. And it's like, oh my God, we're going mobile. This is nuts. Yeah, when did the Razor come out? Because I yeah, do remember I Razor in, uh, uh, Envy. I don't know, Brian, if you're listening, help me out here, or Lucy. The Razor was, the was not until sidekick, the... sidekick, too. I think the Razor was like the early 2000s. Yeah, I had a Razor in high school, which was like 2004 to 2009. That was when I first felt phone Envy. That and the... <laughs> actually, no, the Sidekick. The yeah, side the T-Mobile was Sidekick. The... That was when I first felt phone envy. Before that, I was just happy to have a phone. But it was the sidekick because like that flipping aspect, I died when I I think it was I think I honestly saw who had a sidekick. I don't know. But somebody famous had a sidekick and they like clicked it out in an interview. And I was just like, (laughs) is this when we had like Pokemon cards and gel pins and butterfly (laughs) hair clips and gigapets and yeah. yeah. Yeah, all that stuff so in grade funny. school. Can you name? Do you all know who the who the who was the host of the Daily Show when Space Jam came out? Craig Kilborn. Craig Kilborn is the answer. The former ESPN Sports Center anchor, <laughs> and then went on to host the Daily Show, which we still did not get because we did not get Comedy Central in my house for quite some time until we upgraded the cable package. Well after 
I had gone off Same. to college. So I was downloading. Oh, wait, I have to tell you this. I was downloading wait. South Park episodes on <laughs> dial up Internet modem. Not kidding you. Do you want to know how long it was <laughs> to get the like it like they killed Kenny? It was hours to get one like a uh, 15 minute South Park episode. You kill Kenny again, you bastard. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> so so great. I do want to say, because this research was pulled for us, and I think it is um, a fun thing to know, but the 1990s were massive for PG-rated sports movies and sports movies in general. And I low-key wish that this would, like, come back in some way. And I think that's why I'm really excited for a new legacy, because I'm someone who, like, The Sandlot's one of my favorite movies of all time. Cool Runnings, like, is one of the greatest films ever made. Sometimes I can't even believe it that actually happened, that a Jamaican bobsled team, like, went to the Olympics. And, like, I wish movies like Air Bud and The Big Green and The Mighty Ducks and, like, A League of Their Own, like, all these films. It was just such a time for this. So it'll be interesting to see if, like, if a new legacy is successful, if that'll create, like, a new interest in, in bringing, like, sports films back to the big screen in a big way. Like Angels in the Outfield? You're right. Yeah. And even just, just limiting outfield, it yeah. to basketball, the 90s were pretty big for for basketball movies. Like you mentioned, Naz. I mean, you had you had I what I consider the greatest sports movie of all time is White Men Can't Jump yeah. from 1992. Uh, Hoop Dreams, which got robbed as it wasn't even nominated for Best Documentary when it was clearly the best documentary of that year. You have the air up there, which people have blue chips. I think you can go back and watch blue chips. Speaking of athletes becoming actors, that had Shaq and Penny in it right when they were entering the NBA. And that movie holds up so well in is terms of how dirty college basketball is with Nick Nolte. Yeah. Yeah. Nolte, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. But you have to also mention um, Kazam, right? Kazam. Yeah, it, it and th- that was when Shaq was full on like, yeah, I'll, I'll take the paycheck. I'll do I'll right. do the role because he was <laughs> Kazam, Kazam so steel. Somebody wrote about Steel recently, and it was actually really interesting. It was like a heartfelt little love letter. It's like, Steel is not a good movie, but its heart was in the right place. And it and they like kind of broke down how it was really trying in earnest to give a Black Panther type moment to kids back in the 90s. It just didn't have any of the tools and nobody <laughs> involved in it had the skill set. <laughs> to achieve that, but that was what its earnest was. And it was actually this really cute article. So find that uh, somewhere for folks that are are looking for it. Also, when we do our next Oscar episode, Mark, I think we just need to spend a good 20 minutes with you talking about why Hoop Dreams was robbed. Because Mm. I just feel like this is- Oh, give me that soapbox. I'll talk about Mr. Gaines and Mr. Ag all day long and just how that was their moment. And even, it's one of my favorite posters of all time. It's just- I just and and it was so ahead of its time in the way that they were actually making this documentary. And so kids go back and watch Hoop Dreams. What I will say that Hoop Dreams didn't accomplish nearly as well as Space Jam was, as the great yogurt from outer space would say, merchandising, merchandising. (laughs) I want to bring Lucy in here, too, because let's talk about our Space Jam swag that we still have to this day. Lucy, do you have anything that says Space Jam or any references to the original Space Jam? in your household? I love that question. And I want to direct it to my mother, Martha, all the way in Lincoln, Nebraska, because she wouldn't let me have that stuff. She was like anti-buying things that movies put out there. So Mm. I think my brother got a hand-me-down like Space Jam Jordan jersey. Mm. And I think probably later on, I took that from him and turned it into a jersey dress. 
because those were hot fire. Oh back yeah, then too. jersey dresses were all the yep. rage. Um, but no, I didn't. I didn't grow up with. My mom would not let me buy stuff for movies at mm. all, mm. at all. So I I had a depleted childhood. Aww. Okay, well, <laughs> if I get you like a, another Space Jam jersey, just don't tell Martha. I don't want to get grounded before we do the next podcast. <laughs> the peak of jersey dresses. Going back to Michael Jordan, Mariah Carey wearing the Wizards era Michael Jordan dress at his final All-Star game. That yeah. was pretty fire. Naz Perez, any Space Jam merch? If we go to your palatial yeah. estate, what are Every we seeing day. from the movie Space All Jam? All day. Well, obviously, you know, I drink a lot of water out of my Michael's Secret Stuff water bottle that I'm holding up. I love up. that. <laughs> um, I got a Toon Squad jersey immediately after it came out. It was white. Now it's brown. And it's somewhere in my brother's closet because he won't <laughs> mail it to me um, because I want it now that New Legacy is coming out. Obviously want to wear it to that. Also, can I just say, not a fan of the new uniform, but maybe I'll change my mind. Don't know. I think they should have kept the vintage vintage Toon Squad logo, but agreed. It's ass. I digress. You know, I, I didn't yeah. need the the change up. Give me something. Hopefully there's some Easter eggs for, you know, there's some fan service for us that love the original. Um, there's and, there's got to be. Yeah. And obviously I had what else did I have? I think that was it. I think I had like a Space Jam keychain, too. But obviously I have a bunch of Michael Jordan memorabilia that I just have. I've I've seen some of that MJ memorabilia and you yeah. truly adjudicate yourself well as an MJ stan. I actually have Jacqueline grasses. that I inherited is the wrong word, but that I that I got from Molly's mom, my ex-girlfriend. She had a Space Jam reversible jersey that had it was either the Monstars or the Toon Squad, depending on how Whoa. you were feeling that day. Wow. And it was too big for her. And I worked out in it one day and I think I came home and she saw how sweaty I was after balling in it. And she's like, OK, that's yours now. Like, she, yeah, she's yeah. just like, I, I don't want it that bad anymore. You can have the jersey. I'm never wearing that thing again. And she's never worn that thing again to this day. Yeah, it doesn't <laughs> work that way with girls. Listen, though, this is what it is about um, about memorabilia. I don't have any Tiny Toons memorabilia or any Space Jam memorabilia, but my dad did work in movies and I had one of the most coveted items of my middle school. I had a Planet Hollywood jean jacket. Oh, yeah. That's With sick. the big Planet Hollywood logo yes. on the back. Oh. For folks that don't know, Planet Hollywood was in the theme of like the Hard Rock Cafe. It was the yeah. star inspired restaurant that they put in like Orlando and places. And it was owned by like, I think, like <laughs> Bruce Willis and like Sylvester Stallone. It was like there was actual mm -hmm. like stars involved in it. And it was the quintessential. This is not what you build it out to be. It is a crappier version than the hamburger you got at TGI Fridays and it cost <laughs> twice as much. But you wanted to have those Planet Hollywood t-shirts. You wanted to have those Planet Hollywood keychains. And so everybody went to that place. I yeah. wish I, I yeah. wish I appreciated it as much like when it I do they I think they still exist, right? In some places, maybe and but the walls were so cool and decorated. But I when you while you were at Planet Hollywood, I was like at Rainforest Cafe, <laughs> like a real chuggy. Yeah. Well, Rainforest <laughs> Cafe it. still exists. Yeah. The, it does. Oh, Planet Hollywood does exist as well, too. Thanks to Florida, my home state. It's still around and it, I've seen it on the road in a couple of places, but y'all are missing the big one. Come on. Hard Rock Cafe. You had yes. to go get that yes. T-shirt from whatever cool destination someone 
intrinsically linked to your family got you when they were on vacation somewhere <laughs> cooler than your family was ever going to go. And so yeah. you would get the classic Hard Rock Cafe logo with yeah. like some cool place like Acapulco and you're just yeah. like the coolest kid in school. Yeah, you're like, oh, you went to Hard Rock Hawaii? Wow, I didn't know they had one there. <laughs> Does... Does House of Blues count in this one? I worked at the House of Blues. I get oh, House Dallas. Of Blues. That's yeah. super cool. Yeah, that's another you. one with like, again, it's like they make a museum in the restaurant and so then yeah. they can charge you twice as much. Right. And that's all it really is. Yeah, so there are Planet Hollywood still around. London, Las Vegas, Paris, Malta, uh, Orlando. Malta? And, yeah, that one's Malta's random. Malta's a weird one. Malta's but, my highest 23 in me, you guys. So I'm actually dying. But, wow. I'm just going to tell you now I'm obsessed with getting to since I will be in Paris. I want to see if I can figure out a way to get there. Apparently, it's by Disneyland in in like Euro Disney. Yeah, you need a Paris shirt for sure. While we're on the topic of restaurants and, and since we're talking about a basketball movie, I just have to give a quick shout out to my second ever per job or company that employed me. It was a restaurant in Boca Raton, Florida, where I'm from called Wilt Chamberlain's. Wilt Chamberlain, the basketball player, had one restaurant and it was amazing. It was a bar, an arcade, and a restaurant. And I was a hostess there. So shout out to Wilt Chamberlain. Really? Wow. Yeah. It's yeah. so cool that Wilt Chamberlain owned a restaurant that featured an arcade because you talk about getting the all-time high score. Anyway, we'll move on from Wilt's legacy beyond the court. And I will ask you all one final question really quickly here before we move on to wrap things up here. Look. I've been debating this for years, and I'm now starting to soften my stance just a little bit on the question, do we think we're going to see Michael Jordan pop up in Space Jam, The New Legacy? I said, no way in hell in a million years. And I said that as recently as a couple of years ago. Seeing The Last Dance, seeing there's just a little bit of a softening of his image now, but also him returning somewhat to the forefront, also just to remind people who he is, because I can't decide if Michael Jordan would rather have nothing to do with Space Jam, and that's why we love him, or if it's because he will insist on inserting himself into the new Space Jam somehow, just to remind people who the real goat is. I don't think we're going to see him in the new movie, but I think that there's a better chance than I would have a couple years ago. Naz? Um, you know, this is a great question, I I don't think MJ would do it. I don't okay. think he would do it. In the same way where I was pr- I would love to see him like pop up at the end or something, but in the same way where I really just wanted to see Julie Andrews pop up at the end of Mary Poppins Returns and she just doesn't and it's Emily Blunt's movie. I think this just needs to be LeBron's movie, but I would love maybe like and Angela Lansbury, whatever NBA version of that is, to pop up at the end, just to give me my little bit of like, all right, you know, a nod to the old one. Um, I, I don't think Michael's doing it. I think Michael's I chilling. I think idea, he's smoking though. cigars. I, I love that call that maybe at the end, after LeBron wins and saves the day, it's almost like Jordan meets up with him at, at some random gym, and it's like the end of Rocky Three where they're going to yeah. fight each other just for each other, not in front of the whole world, but just the two of them yeah. so they know. And then the movie ends and we don't see or who wins the game. Or maybe that's where we get our Kobe moment, you know, who's also always in the conversation of, of greatest of all time. It was Kobe versus Michael for a long time before LeBron mm-hmm. was LeBron. You know what I mean? So so maybe there's a number 24 somewhere up in somewhere up in space made out of stars. I don't know. It would be really cool if they did something like that, I think. Jacqueline? I am more holding out hope for a Bill Murray cameo. Yes. So 
Bill Murray does what he wants. Mm-hmm. Everyone who doesn't know this, he bartends uh, nights in Austin when he shows up. Uh, yeah, the the man literally uh, is kind of beholden to only himself. So I could see that happening before I could see Michael Jordan. Because to your point, even if they did it, I think it would be weird. And I don't think it serves it. But funny enough that you mentioned the Angela Lansbury uh, cameo in Mary Poppins, because that was actually originally written for Julie Andrews. Right, right. And they tried, yeah, they tried Mm. to get her to do it. And she basically was like, no. And then, you know, you know, I get it. But they they, they tried. They were thirsting for her. They were trying (laughs) to get her to do it. I like the Bill Murray call. I yeah, think, Bill Murray would be great, Jacqueline. I agree. Yeah. I think we will see Bill Murray. I don't think we're going to see Jordan, but I do think you see his Bulls jersey. I, I, I think you yeah. see the the iconic 23, and maybe it's the Looney Tunes referencing it. But again, we don't know if with this new legacy, if that is part of current Space Jam canon. So we have all these questions that now, even as I'm talking about it, I think I do have to go see the movie opening night just to just to have all these questions answered. I want them answered to me before I read about it on Twitter. Right. And also something we should take note of is is what deal does the NBA have now with like movie studios and licensing? You know, like the fact that we saw the Bulls logo and all that stuff. I wonder how much that would cost today if it would be worth it for a studio to, you know what I mean? Like how much of the NBA is actually going to be in this movie is a question I'm going to be having going into the theater. It's a great, great question. And it will be answered July 16th is when the new movie comes <laughs> out, and we are going to wrap things up now with one last music cue. Brian, if you will. Yes, for anybody wondering, I do have one quick piece of trivia. But before we get to that, I want to thank our esteemed guest, Naz Perez. It was so awesome getting to have you back on the show and talking about a movie that we all love celebrating the nostalgia, if not the cinematic qualities itself. Uh, what are you working on? Where can everybody find all the cool stuff you're doing? So I'm currently working on my cooking skills. So if anyone has any good, very easy recipes, please DM them to me at Nazprez on Instagram. Um, Bonza pasta made from chickpeas. (laughs) It's the best pasta on earth. I love it. No, if I'm having gluten, I'm having gluten. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Yeah. So, you know, you can find me on the Rotten Tomatoes channels at Dodger Stadium. If you're in L.A. going to a Dodger game or like you said on the I Don't Get It podcast. Um, And yeah, that's where you can that's where you can find me. Y'all go 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 to a Dodger game anyway because Dodger Stadium is just an iconic place to see a ball game. But you also are going to see Naz working the mic. She's running around. She's it, it, she does a lot of work during those Dodger games, but it makes it really really fun for the crowd and gets it really into it. So you are a big reason. They, they should have given you a World Series ring. To be honest with you, I don't know if you're <laughs> know. negotiating that yet. The part timers don't get those. Did they win? Maybe just one kidding. day. Just oh, kidding. Jacqueline. Just <laughs> kidding. He's still Just my heart. Uh, now, do so you have a movie recommendation for us? Maybe something that might be up a Space Jam alley or anything else that you're enjoying right now? I don't have a movie recommendation up Space Jam's alley, but I do have a movie recommendation. But since you just said that, I am very much looking forward to, I'm sure a lot of you have seen Bo Burnham inside on Netflix. I think Bo Burnham is just the voice of the millennial generation, um, people born in 1990. And to him, to see him play Larry Bird in the upcoming biopic, to me, I'm going to be super stoked for, especially because he's like super tall. Um, so that is something to look out for. I recently saw this film. It's a Swedish film called Border. It's 97% certified fresh on the tomato meter. It's directed by Ali Abbasi. I think that's how you pronounce his name. It is one of the most original, visually stunning films I have ever seen. 
Watch it high if you're into that kind of thing. It's about this customs officer named Tina. She has like this extraordinary sense of smell and she builds this strange attraction to like a suspicious looking man and then therefore discovers who she really is. It is a romance, horror, fantasy, mystery, thriller. It is like, it's one of those films where you're like, this is the weirdest thing I've ever seen, but also is this the best thing I've ever seen? So check out Border, um, directed by Ali Abbasi, because I think there's multiple films titled Border. Yeah. Oscar nominated for best makeup. I got Was it? Wow. Yeah, Oscar nominated Amazing. for best makeup. Yeah, I saw that one at Sundance, I think, uh, when that one came out. And then it did its uh, Oscar run. The actress, I think, also was an uh, independent spirit nominee. She's but, so good, Jacqueline. Yeah. I just recently saw She's it and I was like, wow, this film is Unrecognizable, amazing. unrecognizable. Yeah. That's why it was nominated for Best Makeup, but I think it lost to either Vice or Darkest Hour. I think it was Vice. I got to see oh, I got to see this movie. Jacqueline, speaking of festivals, you're taking off soon, right? You're you're heading over to uh, France. Yeah, I'm heading over to France. I'm actually going to try and make this Planet Hollywood thing happen. Like, I'm not kidding <laughs> you now. You have to. Because have to. my Disney friends will be mad at me for going to a place where there is a Disneyland and not trying. And I have like yep. uh, three days before uh, the festival starts to sort of acclimate myself that I'm there. So you may it may happen if it does. I will put it up on Instagram. But yeah, I'm going to be at the Cannes Film Festival covering that one. It is going to be a lot of fun, but a lot of work. And uh, yeah, hopefully maybe we'll be talking about some films that did stuff there Uh when we come back. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Also, I just want to tell folks there's a book that just came out. Uh, this past week or to, yeah, this just came out. You guys should check it out. Quentin Tarantino wrote a novelization of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I actually got a chance to read a bit of it early. And so if you guys want to check that out, I would highly advise it if you like the way he writes. Okay. There are probably a couple F-bombs in that book. Um, <laughs> I did promise trivia. Before we get to trivia, y'all can email us anytime. RT is wrong at RottenTomatoes.com. We love hearing your comments. We read them on air frequently. RT is wrong at RottenTomatoes.com. Follow, subscribe, rate, review, do all that stuff wherever you enjoy podcasts. We always appreciate the fan support from our certified freshies. Your trivia question, you're damn right, is about the NBA. So Michael Jordan came back to the NBA and his Chicago Bulls set a then regular season record winning 72 games. They went 72 and 10 his full, his first full year back from playing baseball. Who did they beat in the NBA Finals? What team did they beat in the NBA Finals? That would be the June before the November that Space Jam came out. The Suns. I don't know. That's in a great 90, guess. In 96? In 96. In 96. Who did they beat? Was it, was it the Knicks? It was not the Knicks. I'll give you a hint. Oh, wait, in the finals, obviously, it wouldn't have been the next. In the finals. It, it was a Western Conference team, and it's a team that is no longer currently in Seattle existence. Supersonics. The Seattle Oh, Super yeah, Gary, right? Gary it? Payton, yeah. Sean Kemp, and I happen to be in Seattle telling jokes July 24th, so it's, it's somewhat ah, of a segue. I love it. Well. Seattle needs a bat. I was just in Seattle last week. They need a basketball team, man. They really oh, do. Poor souls. They still walk around in supersonics gear all the time. Just give them the supersonics. Just They've give them that, the supersonics. Yeah, and the supersonics team, the and they make enough work. noise with that. So I don't want to give them any other excuse to be obnoxious. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a Packers fan. We're still mad. Yeah, yeah. Y'all got some some issues with the <laughs> Seattle Seahawks currently. So I'll get Jacqueline out of this by simply asking her, hey, Jacqueline, what are we talking about next week? We got a new movie? 
Yes, we have a new movie and we have a very special guest. I'm really, really stoked about this one, guys, because we're going to talk to Alex Wolf about M. Night Shyamalan movies because he stars in the next one, Old. And you'll recognize Alex Wolf from Hereditary. He was in the first Jumanji. Oh, he was in both of the Jumanjis, excuse me. And yeah, I'm very, very excited to chat with him. He is an uber, uber film nerd. And uh, yeah, very, very happy to break down which ones of M. Night Shyamalan's films we think Rotten Tomatoes is wrong about. So it's going to be one of those episodes where we do a bunch of stuff. That old trailer looks so good on the beach. It's so good. You're just like, I have to see this movie. Absolutely. I cannot wait to talk to Alex Wolf and to see old. I'm going to see it in a couple of days here. And you're right, Naz. Old is about somebody who goes to a beach and they feel yeah. really old because everybody else on the beach saw Space yeah. Jam when they were six years old. Anyway, <laughs> also is... one of my biggest fears is getting old. So I, th- I love that he's playing into that. It's happening to <laughs> oh us all gosh. the time. So just sit back and enjoy the ride. That is Naz <laughs> Perez. That is Jacqueline Coley, producing Lucy, Brian. Perez behind the scenes here, our entire hardworking crew here at Rotten Tomatoes and at the show Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong. I am merely Mark Ellis saying thank you. And until next time, uh, fly like an eagle. <laughs>